Hello there. Welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arseblog.com. I hope you're well uh, as we head into what is probably the most important North London derby of recent times. Yes, I know. I remember the one last season when they were, I don't know, 38 points ahead of us or something. And then they went 2-0 up. Uh, Adi Bayor scored and Bale cheated to get a penalty. I remember that. And I remember how he dragged them back. And I remember how their team fell apart. And I remember how their manager got fired. Hilarious stuff. But this time around, it feels a little bit different. And uh, later on in the show, I'll be chatting to somebody of the Tottenham persuasion uh, to get their perspective on the game and their season and whether or not this is going to be any different from all the other years where they failed to finish above us. We'll have an Arsenal perspective on it too. We'll chat about this game in detail between now and the end of the show. So, since we last spoke, three points in the league, we did it the hard way as we normally do. We took an early lead, all this talk before the game about how we need to start better and how we need to get a hold of games. And, you know, you can't do much more than score in the sixth minute. That's a pretty good start to any game. Us being us, though, we couldn't really take advantage of it. It was a bit to and fro. And then, of course, we gave them a goal. Now, I haven't done any research on this or looked at any numbers or anything like that. I'm not a up-to-gym or... 7 a.m. kickoff, statty guy. I'm just not that guy. What I'll do is look at the situation and then pick out a number that seems vaguely reasonable. And I would say that around 73% of all the goals we've conceded this season have been our own fault. Maybe the actual evidence or facts don't back that up, but it seems to me like that's a reasonable figure. Caught on the break and... Even though we tend to get caught on the break quite a bit, uh, it didn't look that dangerous. And then the guy took a shot, which was pretty much straight at Chesney. And Chesney sort of, I don't know what he did, really. He just sort of dived under the ball a bit and, you know, terrible goalkeeping, really. And I like him. I think he's got the potential to be a very good goalkeeper. However, let's not beat around the bush here. That was Almunia-rific. Fabianski-tastic is what that was. Not very convincing at all. And you see games uh, like Sunderland, for example, where he played really, really well and made some really brilliant saves. And, you know, without those, we wouldn't have taken uh, the points there. But I think it speaks to the consistency of the players and the individuals and the team as a whole that, you know, we can go from playing or he can go from playing that well to, you know, letting one in like that. And it could have been very costly indeed, uh, apart from Santi Cazorla, who is just a wonderful player to watch. Everything he does and tries is so positive. And while you might say that perhaps doing back heels when, you know, you're defending in your own corner uh, isn't the most sensible thing in the world, when it comes off, it looks brilliant. And he did that, for example, against Aston Villa. Uh, And in every game this season, even if he's been quiet or even if those around him haven't necessarily been on the same wavelength or he hasn't been on the same wavelength as them, he does keep trying and is always positive, always trying to score a goal, always trying to create, uh, and it's brilliant. And I think uh, he deserved his two goals against Aston Villa, uh, and I think he was the only player that was going to get us a winning goal as well, um, just because of his attitude and and the way that he plays. So uh, three very welcome points, and it means that we're five games unbeaten in the league, five whole games, which equals 
our best unbeaten run this season. We'd five games at the start of the season before we lost to Chelsea. Then there was another run of five games in the middle of the season. And then here we are, five games again. Uh, So we really do need to go one better, given uh, what's at stake on Sunday and who we're playing. Uh, We simply can't afford not to extend that run. Simple as that. A win would be fantastic. A draw acceptable, I think. But we just can't afford to, to lose the game coming up on Sunday. So anyway, as, as I said, we'll have more chat about that uh, in a few moments' time. The other thing that happened this week was that Arsblog turned 11. And uh, I'd forgotten all about it uh, until I got an email uh, reminding me of the fact that it was Arsblog's birthday, February 27, 2002. Uh, sat upstairs in my house in Barcelona going, well, let's, well, let's see what happens here. Little did I think 11 years later um, I'd be doing the same thing. And it's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. The post might have been shorter, more succinct, um, briefer, more on topic, on point. I don't know, back in the early days. But each post nowadays is around a 1,000 words. And say it averages around a 1,000 words. 365 days a year, bearing in mind that Christmas Day is usually something very small. But apart from that, even summers and interlulls and the whole, that's around a 1,000 words. So that's 365,000 words uh, a year. That's not taking into account columnists. That's not taking into account uh, Ars Blog News. 360. When you consider a book, is a, you know, your average book is around 80 or 90,000. But that's three books worth, three and a half books worth of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's a lot of words. Some of them are better than others, I guess. Words, I mean, or the sequence of words or how they're constructed. Uh, but thank you indeed to everyone for, uh, for reading. And for putting up with the stuff that I have to do when, you know, it's a bit quiet. You have to go off on a tangent here or a tangent there. Yeah, it's all part of the fun. But anyway, thank you indeed. 11 years old and uh, let's um, let's hope for 11 more. Or more than 11, shall we say. Uh, I don't want to sort of set anything in stone here. You know how these um, gossip tales begin. Right then, moving away from all that, and with me, uh, the first guest of the show to discuss uh, what's coming up this weekend and the other bits and pieces that have gone on this week. Uh, from an Arsenal point of view, it's Tim Stillman. Hello there. Hello there. Before we start about, uh, talking about Tottenham, let's look at the other big story of the week, which is uh, Arsenal's finances. Uh, the figures came out, yeah. and uh, it all looks very healthy, and there's cash in the bank, and you know immediately it starts uh, a raft of stories we see about how there's a war chest, and the, the shackles are coming off uh, from the wage bill, and all that kind of stuff. Do we tend, I mean, as football fans, you know, to be a bit too invested in in all the areas of the club at the moment because, you know, everybody's a financial expert and an expert on commercial marketing and, and how to do big sponsorship deals, et cetera, et cetera. You know, is there a danger that we get a bit sidetracked sometimes? Um, I, I think so, yes. I, I think, you know, those those things are important. And personally, I, I try to embrace them as much as possible, even though I don't think anyone really fell in love with the game of football looking at a set of accounts. Um, mm. But... I think they're kind of, um, you know, like a residuary of, 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 you know, a football club and, and it is a club. And personally, I, you know, I'd look at it as a club and take an interest in, you know, like the ladies team and the under 21s team and the youth and, and all of these branches of it, because, you know, it, it is all kind of one entity of, of the thing we all love and invest so much time in. So I don't think it's, um, you know, it's incorrect necessarily to be, you know, uh, to be kind of analytical um, of, of, of this kind of stuff. 
but I, I just, I don't know. I, I get a bit worn down sometimes um, by it all because personally, um, I, I don't know that much. I know what a set of accounts looks like, um, but you know, I'm, I'm no expert um, in that area. And I think for some people, it wouldn't hurt them to admit that they're not an expert in that particular area. Um, personally, I'd, I'd bookmark uh, maybe a couple of people like David Conn, for example, at The Guardian. Obviously, um, our own Swiss Ramble, who is, you know, internationally renowned for knowing his stuff for this kind of thing. And I'd definitely be interested in their thoughts um, because I know it's not something that I, I can really offer an opinion on, um, quite frankly. And when it, when it comes to Arsenal, I mean, I think the picture has been so clear and so consistent for so long um, that I, I don't think there's really an awful lot to talk about, um, to be honest, with this set of accounts. We've got a shitload of money. We knew that anyway. We're kind of dependent on player sales. Well, we knew that anyway. Um, we have to be a bit smarter with, with what we do in terms of our commercial income. Well, we knew that anyway, and the club know that. And the club has said that many, many times. Um, and actually, I think the club, you know, Arsenal probably answer these, these sorts of questions more than any other club, um, which is quite mad when you think about it, actually, when you think about the way certain other clubs are run, um, that we actually, the rule is run over us um, more than anybody else. That said, that's because, you know, we're, we're looking to compete with clubs with massive resources. And I understand that there's, there's disenchantment because the perception is the money's there and we don't use it and we don't use it well enough. And I, I think that's fair enough. And personally, I, I think I feel like that as well. But to be honest, I, I don't feel nearly qualified to go any further than that. I don't think most people are. Um, and I just, you know, I, I don't think it would hurt some people um, to kind of acknowledge that, quite frankly, because I think it saturates the discussion sure. uh, to the point that, I, you know, particularly on, you know, social networking and blogs, I, I never feel like talking about it just because I think, you know, there's going to be so so many smart-asses that I just can't can't be bothered quite mm. frankly there does seem to be even though we've been down this road before and the figures look um, interesting and familiar you know as you said you know yeah. n nobody is taken aback by anything in, in these particular figures but given the circumstances of uh, the new deal with Emirates and possibly a new kit deal that might be in place before the start uh, of next season or, or at least the uh, it's it's arranged uh, when the current deal runs mm. out are the club now in a position where it, it's uh, almost impossible for them not to use the money that's there? Because, you know, we've looked at it and said, well, why don't they use this? And, you know, uh, there are always uh, stories, well, well, we need to keep X amount of cash or we can't find value in January, et cetera, et cetera. But given the summer, the money's there. Uh, you know, it's not as if we're, we're going to be reliant on a player sale to balance the books. Therefore, yeah, there's no real excuse not to use it this time. I definitely think that, yes. And actually, um, like I said, the club, I think, are, are quite clear with their communication um, around a lot, of, uh, a lot of these things, even if people don't always like to hear what they've got to say. Um, they're consistent. But one of the things they have consistently said is kind of almost uh, floating 2014 as the promised land, as it were, when not only do we get more cash, but 
um, you know, certain regulations come in which kind of contract the amount of cash that others can use. Um, and, I, you know, I, I don't think they're incorrect about that. But, yes, that puts a certain amount of pressure on them because people are really expecting that when, um, you know, those deals come through and that they're fully realised that they're used. Um, and I, I understand why there's some trepidation about that because, you know, we're, we're, we're fairly well off at the moment and there's a perception that we don't use what we have. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I think... Yes, there will be pressure on the club. Personally, I've I've always been of of the position that you know the new commercial team that's in place and Ivan Gazidis himself. Um, for me, I reserve judgment on the quality of the job that all of them are doing until 2014. I think when Gazidis was hired, I think that was probably almost an identifiable target that was probably set to him. Um, was that look? all these chips are going to come in and it's going to be your job to make sure that we get the best deal possible. Um, and, I, you know, personally, I'm I, I'm loath to criticise them too heavily until that time comes. However, the, the bottom line is that, um, I think you said yourself this week, that stuff will take care of itself much better if we're performing on the pitch and that really is the bottom line to all mm-hmm. of it. All right, well, look, let's move away from the boring stuff and on to the more interesting stuff. And obviously there's a massive game uh, on Sunday. North London derby, Tottenham are ahead of us in the league. It's uh, Is it a game that Arsenal uh, have to not lose more than they have to win? I, I think so, yes, because I, I'd nearly always take um, a draw at White Hart Lane for a number of reasons. But four points with, I think we'll have 10 games to go after that. Um, I, th- I think that's doable. I think both teams have fairly similar run-ins. Um, I think Tottenham, Tottenham are on really, really good form at the moment. Um, however, I, I, I wonder if every team has a peak every season. You know, every team, well, every top team has a peak every season, a run of 10 to 15 games. And we had it last season where, you know, they, they look really, really solid. They look really hard to beat. Um, Tottenham are in that sort of period at the moment. Arsenal haven't had that yet, I don't think. I don't think we've had a kind of seven, eight, even as much as ten-game run where we've looked convincing. Um, whether or not that will materialise, I don't know. But I, I, I do expect a slight dip from Tottenham. I'm not really sure what I expect from us in the run-in. I, I, I wouldn't be too disappointed with the draw because, for me, the loss... Obviously, the mathematical implications of being seven points behind with 10 games left is, you know, that that would look really, really difficult then. But also the psychological boost. I think if Spurs beat us, then I think there's this kind of, there's still this nagging inferiority, I think, that Spurs have, which is understandable because we've finished above them for so long and for sure the gap has closed. Um but I still probably think that just somewhere in the back of their minds, they think Arsenal could take us over here. If they win on Sunday, I think that goes. Um, I think that would completely blow any psychological advantage we have away because I know they don't have the same manager, but they've, they've got you know a very similar playing squad to last year. And to some of them, they must be thinking, well, we blew 13 points last year. So, mm. you know, four points isn't that big a gap. And I think we surrender that psychological advantage if we lose on Sunday. So, yes, I think it is kind of 
more important that we don't lose. However, I think we all know that Arsenal aren't really capable of playing in a way um, that's really based on self-preservation, <laughs> and I don't expect us to try and do that. I don't think either club, either team um, is really capable of that, and that's why, for the neutral at least, um, it's a it's a fascinatingly poised game for the fans of both clubs. It's it's shit your pants territory, basically. All right. Well, look, let's hope our pants are, are marginally cleaner than theirs uh, come six o'clock on Sunday, Tim. We better leave it there. Thanks very much. OK, no problems. Thank you indeed to Tim Stillman. You can follow him on Twitter. He is at Little Dutch VA. That's Little Dutch VA. Or you can catch his column right here every Thursday on Arse Blog. Right. Before we go and get an alternative view uh, ahead of this Sunday's game, well, we need to go exploring. We're here in the deepest, darkest jungle of Wales. A damp, desolate place filled with wild and dangerous creatures. If you listen carefully, you might hear the plaintive sound of the Tom Jones bird. But the bird is nothing compared to what lies in the distance. There, in the clearing below us, the most repellent animal known to man. A troop of fully grown adult bales. They scurry hither and thither across the clearing, defecating into their own hands and flinging it at each other. If we look at the leader here, known as the Alpha Bale, he commands the troop. There he is, digging around in his cavernous ear with his filthy paw. He's taking it out, he's, oh, he's eating it. Oh, oh now he's, he's vomited it back up and he's, oh, he's eating it again. <clears throat> they truly are vile beasts, but we've come just in time to see something no human has ever seen before. The bale mating ritual. The female sits, waiting, while the male laps at his own genitals, a green oozing pustilence coming from them. But then it happens. He takes off. He's running at top speed towards her. Closer, closer, closer. And then he falls. Although he wasn't touched, he lies on the ground, clutching his knee. He stays there for a while, then gets up and returns to his starting position. This can continue for seasons. Eventually, the female gets bored and mates with one of the other males. When the babies are born, the alpha male consumes them on the spot. Quite how this species continues, we, we just don't know. It's a freak of nature. We're in danger now. I think he's he spotted us. He's very angry. He's coming towards us. Closer, closer. And there he goes. Falls over. Holding his knee. What a stomach-churning little cunt. 
All right, we don't normally do this, but uh, given the fact we've got a North London derby and one of great significance this Sunday uh, to talk to me about it, somebody who knows a little bit more about our opposition than I do, the only thing I know, of course, is that they're uh, horrible. It is the boy Hotspur from theboyhotspur.com. Hello. How are you doing? You do realise that yes. having a left-footed player scoring wonder goals from all over the pitch is so last year. <laughs> So passe. Yeah, it's been done, man. And it doesn't yeah. end well, let me tell you. Well, you just got to look at our haircuts and our tattoos. We're, we're, we're last season through and through. <laughs> Speaking of last season... Um, we're going to go, go on to win nothing for years as well. I can see that happening too. Well, uh, yeah, you've been doing that very well for, for quite some time. <laughs> yes, yes. But um, speaking of last year, you know, we, we had this kind of situation last season, only the, the gap, as uh, you guys were... Uh, very fond of uh, reminding us it was quite big yes. um, this time around though, what strikes me it's a little bit different I mean have, have your lot learned from it or is it a case that you know you have a manager who's actually trying to you know achieve what you want to achieve rather than just get the England job yeah I think I think you've um, you've incorporated a key word there in that question and that word is manager we actually have one now <sighs> Um, opposed to a uh, one of those things that comes out of a cuckoo clock um, or leans out of a car window and says terrific every fifteen minutes. Um, no, this guy, this guy's um, a, a, a breath of fresh air on about twenty-seven different levels, and um, he's got us playing like a football team, um, despite this uh, one-man team um, malarkey that's doing the rounds. Mm. So I, I think it, I think that the, the, the the uh, the headway that we've made is actually substantial this time because it's not under jeopardy from, shall we say, uh, somebody acting the goat. Well, when I appeared on on your podcast a bit earlier in the season, um, I was you know quite surprised when when you guys were talking about the, the anger that was sort of present within your fan base towards uh, Villas Boas, uh, and given the fact he was really new in the job, I thought yeah. this was you know a bit strange. Um, was that because of Redknapp loyalists or? Or just the fear of change. I mean, I I imagine people have warmed to him somewhat now. No. Well, yes and no. There was a media campaign. Um, basically, you know, the devil makes work for idle hands and empty heads. Mm. So you've got people like you know Adrian Durham coming out with this garbage that QPR are probably going to finish above Tottenham this season. There was some Harry Redknapp loyalist stuff going on but do you know something the longer I do this the, the, the you know perhaps not the more I learn but uh, the, the more you understand how many stupid people there are out there you know you click on open Facebook there's people showing pictures of their children in the bath and then the next post is that they want paedophiles hung so you know you have a manager come along and it's like everybody thinks it's a phone in on X Factor you know you're there one week half an hour later you're gone and there's this sort of popcorn, fast food culture, this pot noodle. Um, if we don't do this, I mean, you, you click on Twitter, you must see it yourself. Mm. Um, and the broader I look, the farther afield I look, stupid Tottenham fans are not unique. There are stupid Arsenal ones, stupid United, everybody. Mm. And, you know, there's people laying down ultimatums to, to, to chairman on Twitter. Um, that that always got, works. You've got until you've got until midnight on the close of deadline day. Oh, that's it, sunny lad. You know, uh, I want a striker. I want a helicopter. I want a pony. 
Mm. You know, um, there's a lot of unintelligent people around. Um, is is my um, my uh, commercially unsuccessful take on these things? But and yeah, it's just it's just bizarre. I mean, the 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 Venga hate that you you guys are experiencing. You know, uh, my first question is, well, who's your nominee? Who's mm. going to take over? Owen Coyle? Yeah, Phil Brown. I don't know. Look, Phil, well, Ian Dowie's always there for me. You know, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's like an ace in the hole. <laughs> it, it's a bit different. I mean, I you know, after, you know, I don't want to necessarily harp on the trophyless years. And, you know, he's been in the job for 16 years now. So, you know, the, the, there are people that are, are, are going to be a bit tired of him. But, I mean, it was very difficult to understand why people would be upset with a new manager after after seven or eight games. Um, well, I think as well that there was an element of people being easily led and they were sort of like coming out with this, oh, Chelsea reject. And everybody wants Pep Guardiola. Everybody wants like, you know, this week's flavour of the week. And I just can't understand. I mean, there were people like um, Lambert's name wasn't really there, but Brendan Rogers and old Bob Matthews from Wigan. These are people without CVs. Mm. And they were being seriously put forward by Tottenham fans. And you look at uh, AVB's CV, and I'm not just talking about the, the, the wins at Porto, but the fact that he was brought up in the football sort of scheme of things by Sir Bobby Robson, Jose Mourinho, Pep Guardiola. The guy's got a little bit of class to him. And um, I got a statistic the other day. I hate stats, but he, he lasted 27 games at Chelsea, and it was his 27th game at Tottenham when he overtook Chelsea in the lead. No, so, there you go. Now we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Mm. But I, I, my, I, my gut feeling is that he's a he's a, he's a decent guy. Well, what do you think of uh, the push then for a top four place? I mean, this game on Sunday is obviously hugely important from an Arsenal yes. point of view. We've got to try and claw some points back. I think at the very least, we, you know, we can't afford to drop any. Are you more confident that you can go the distance this time? And, and perhaps, you know, uh, one of the things that people don't talk about is what's going on at Chelsea. That, you know, whatever happens between Arsenal and Spurs on Sunday, Chelsea mm-hmm. does not look like a healthy place either. They could quite as uh, easily no, fall Chelsea- away. Chelsea is is a. I've I've always felt that Chelsea was a, a a very fortunate but diseased environment as a football club, and no matter what individual you know playing personnel they had to hand, they were always kind of combating something. This sixteen minute um, chanting for Di Matteo and everything, you know, it just doesn't sit well. I just it, it is ludicrous, but it, it's it's so harmful. It's just poison. So I think the game is massive for us. Um, and the point I've been saying very quietly, in case it's heard too, too farther afield, is I've been impressed with the fact that we are actually playing for the full 95 minutes these days or however long a game lasts now. Um, Tottenham have got enormous form for not keeping that going. And um, we've been getting late winners and stuff like that and late equalisers. So I'm a hell of a lot more positive than I ever have been. Mm. Uh, ahead of this one then, who who do you look at in this Arsenal side? And, you know, obviously all the attention will be uh, on bail from an Arsenal point of view, which isn't to, you know, uh, say you're a one-man team or anything like that. But obviously, you know, that, that's what you are. Yeah, but, sure. No, <laughs> but I mean, from, from your point of view, who do you look at in this Arsenal team and, and worry about making a bit of a difference? Well, it depends who, without being, you know, flippant, who wakes up for you. Mm. I think you've got, you know, guys like Wilshire who are there to put in a proper shift and want to take the game by the scruff of the, the neck and get things done. But there are other guys 
guys who kind of fade in and out. Um, Walcott can be extremely dangerous. But Giroud, Javinho, there's a cast of about, the, and that's your problem. You've got about four or five guys who remind me of being about as reliable as a lot of guys that we ha- used to have on the books at Tottenham. Mm. And they were people that you put, you put, sort of kind of put in the team and then go, hmm, yeah, but what are we going to get out of him? And you've got too many of those guys with a sort of question mark hanging over them. People, I guess, in simple terms, you just simply cannot rely on. Uh, I think that's, yeah, consistency has been uh, an issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we have been the worst offenders when it comes to consistency. I tell you, the absolute worst. You know, we, 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 we have a great game against you guys or Man United or somebody and then get beaten away because it was a bit wet and a bit windy and a bit cold at Bolton or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and it was like, I didn't, didn't, didn't like that. And it's, we, we've, we've, been, we've been a bit wet and we, we, we appear to be getting rid of that. It's not completely gone, um, as per a few games recently, Leeds for one. But um, it's, it's, it's ebbing away and that's a positive. So um, I don't know. I mean, you, it depends who turns up for you and what kind of game they have. I know that's really sitting on the fence, but... Mm. Um, I think no, it, yeah. it reflects how things are. All right, very, very quickly, finally, uh, prediction. Go on. Uh, I, I, I did this on our podcast the other night, um, and I'm going for a four-all draw. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mirror. Well, it's not it's, unprecedented, is it? Well, I, I see it as a combination of the, <laughs> your defence being, um, you know, with the Marx Brothers, and we've got the Three Stooges. Mm. You know, and I think it defends. I think it'll be ping pong, air hockey sort of stuff. Um, but no, four all is probably a bit hysterical, a bit silly, a bit tongue in cheek. But I think a, a, a high scoring draw. I certainly, I, I'm struggling to see like a five two to either of us this time, or a four one or something. Mm. I think it's going to be like by a goal if somebody takes it. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think probably a, you know two two wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. No, no, no. All right. Well, listen, I won't wish you luck, but... Uh, yeah, I hope you f- you fall over and catch your leg on something too. Yes, yes. I, you know, I hope you get... What's that thing you get when you... Um, not, not that again. yourself. Tetanus of the arse. I yes, thanks, thanks for the mosquito. Yes. Yeah, no problem. All right, we'll catch you soon. Thank you, The Boy Hotspur. Goodbye. Well, there you go. That is The Boy Hotspur. If you want to follow him or read him, you're more than welcome to do so. I have no idea why you would want to do that. But thank you to him anyway uh, for his time. In terms of the game then on Sunday, team news is that Sanya is out. So that means Jenkinson uh, will start at right back. There's a doubt over Abu Dhabi. And then, of course, there was a, a story on Arsenal.com, uh, Abu Dhabi. We figured Spurs out. I mean, well, why don't they just go the whole hog and ride Abu Dhabi? There is simply no way we can lose against Spurs. <sighs> anyway, maybe it's just me feeling the uh, the uh, the nerves a little bit here. I have to agree with Tim Stillman uh, from earlier, though, about this game, that if they were to win, there might well be a psychological barrier broken. At the very least, uh, we can't afford to lose this game. There's still plenty of games to go. And we don't necessarily have to claw those points back against them on Sunday. It is crucial, crucial that we don't lose. And after this game, we've got 10 days, 10 days to prepare for our next game uh, because of Everton in the FA Cup. It means that we have 10 days between uh, the Spurs game and the game against Bayern Munich, which means that we kind of have this. It's annoying and everything else, but there we should have no excuses for tiredness or fatigue or anything like that uh, until the end of the season. A 10-day break, you know, from from games, uh, they should be able to recuperate and recharge their batteries. But obviously, what happens on Sunday is the important thing. So let's keep everything crossed that we can do 
do their business there. Uh, a win would be marvellous. Let's just hope that it doesn't go the wrong way. So until next week's Arscast, if there is one, because there might be nothing happening, in which case I'm going to take a week off and recharge my batteries. But we'll see. We'll see. Until the next Arscast, whenever that might be, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. And remember, Spurs are cons. Welcome back to Holy God FM. That was the Crash Test Dummies. A song called mm, 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 which is proof that if you go against God, he will take away your ability to write lyrics. As we know, today was a special day in Rome. Pope Benedict Cumberbatch has resigned. It was a solemn but precious occasion, but sadly interrupted by some hooligans from the UK. They called themselves Tottenham Hotspur and they sought counsel with the Pope. But even on this day, filled with God's love, he would not turn them away. His Holiness brought them to him. He looked them up and down and with the wisdom imparted upon him by our Lord and Saviour, he did give them this most holy of messages. Fuck off. When we return after this short break, we'll be talking to the CEO of the new religious taxi company called Halo Mary. Stay with us. <laughs> 